You're listening to the Just Means Less ACC podcast with your host, Micah from Fifth Quarter and Dan from ACC Content. Dan, this is the first week of ACC football where Saturday afternoon is going to be loaded. I'm, I'm kind of upset that most of the games are in the, like the early afternoon spot, but we have a full Saturday of ACC football. Is there, is there even a single team on the bye here, Dan? I'm trying to look. No, we don't have a single team on the bye this week. So every ACC team is in play on Saturday. Yeah, this is – well, we got eight games. Um, so one out of conference, I'm a little bit worried about it. But the six ACC – or the seven ACC versus ACC games should be really good. Um, I mean, we'll learn – I think a decent amount. Some teams need wins more than others, but um, we got a good slate. So um, you want to dive into it? Let's hop right into it. So starting at noon on ABC, we've got number one Clemson heading to Atlanta to take on Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech is a 27-point underdog. And, uh, Dan, if you saw my Twitter, Georgia Tech fans aren't too fond of me for where I rank them in my power rankings. But I will say – that power ranking ranking is based off consistency. And the one thing that's alarmed me with Georgia Tech in every game, but of course last week against Louisville was turning the football over. Last week they had a perfect game and a plus three turnover margin. They're going to have to protect the football if they want to hang around in this one against Clemson. Uh, I, I, I am really excited to see what this uh, Jeff Sims and Jameer Gibbs combo can do against this Clemson defense. I think, I wouldn't be shocked if we saw kind of the same type of numbers that we saw from Brennan Armstrong uh, when he played Clemson and there's a lot of passing yards just because again, you know, it's one of those things where they're going to sling the rock a lot. And again, I I have a feeling Clemson's going to put up some points. So Georgia Tech's going to have the ball uh, fairly often here, but what are your thoughts kind of looking at this game? Uh, I think to start, I'm going to say Clemson is going to cover this 27 point spread. I think mainly because in my head, I predicted like a 49 to 20 type victory which obviously is over that that 27 point spread yeah I completely agree about them covering but not like completely blowing them out as like Clemson did in the ACC championship uh, last year where they won by like 45 points Um, I think we talked about this before the season like wouldn't it be nice in just like this COVID 2020 year for this to be the one year that Georgia Tech doesn't have a disadvantage of having to play Clemson. I mean, (laughs) it's, they don't get to avoid them this year either. And I think it's going to be pretty brutal. Um, Like I said, it won't be that 45 point deficit as Virginia had last year in the ACC championship. But I just think that the talent gap is too great. And even 27 is a little bit um, too low of a spread. In my opinion, Georgia tech, They'll put up a few scores because it's not like Clemson has done a fantastic job containing quarterbacks with their legs, but I don't really see Sims doing anything against the Clemson secondary in any way. He hasn't really shown enough of what he's capable of yet in the passing game. Yeah, I agree. And I think, I think my, my, my cause for concern here with, with Georgia tech, again, I, I sound like a Georgia Tech hater, and this is not me saying Georgia Tech's not a good football team. You're playing a great Clemson team. So, this is, you know, you have to look at – you have to kind of over-exaggerate some of the weaknesses. But we we saw it against UCF. I mean, they really did drastically struggle when it came to just, you know, giving up the big play. And 
you know, that's what Clemson's good at. I mean, we, we, we've seen it in every, pretty much every week, the last two weeks, especially, you know, my, my biggest takeaway was Clemson had a lot of third down and longs, but they always found a way to convert, especially in that Virginia game. I mean, they had third and 13, third and 11, third and 10. That's against Miami. I think they converted a third and 16 there, if I remember correctly. So, I mean, I, I want to see, I, I think for, if you're a Georgia Tech fan and if you're just a fan of, you know, the progress that Jeff Collins is making in Atlanta, I think if, if Georgia Tech can kind of do what they did against UCF, where at halftime, you're not questioning whether or not they're in this game still. They're, you know, 14 points down. You know, a, a quick score at the start of the second half, and, and you're talking about a whole new ball game kind of thing. Kind of like what we saw against with, with Virginia against Clemson, where, you know, Clemson sc- or if UVA scores there and doesn't throw that inter- that insane one-handed interception in the red zone, you know, we could be talking about a whole different ball game. Do I think UVA wins that game? No. But do I think that we might – have this kind of Clemson upset alert kind of text coming across our phone in the third quarter? Probably. So it's one of those things where I, I think I, that's what I want to see most from Georgia Tech. I think they're going to put up some points here. I really do. Uh, I, w- I would be genuinely shocked if they don't have a touchdown or two in this one. Um, but, again, I think I think this is a, a great game for, for Jeff Collins to kind of use as a measuring stick to kind of see, you know, give give his guys this kind of, you know, especially, you know, true freshmen, you know, with, with Sims and, and, you know, Jameer Gibbs. This is this is what you need to you know. This is the pinnacle we're trying to reach because that's the type of aspirations they have in Atlanta. And I necessarily I'm not against the idea of Georgia Tech being a national power. I mean, they have everything going for them. They're in a big city with money and a beautiful campus. So I mean, it wouldn't shock me if they start you know building that program up to try to be a national competitor. So this is that obviously big first step. So can't wait to kind of see what what Georgia Tech can do here. Yeah, and um, you talk about like successor Georgia Tech would be getting some sort of, of offense going. And that's – I really agree with that. Um, I think if Sims could get any sort of – take any sort of step forward in the passing game, it's a positive. We really like to look at these games, which we we know are going to be blowouts, and we think, like, what does success look like for either team? Well, that's what it looks like for Georgia Tech. For Clemson, I want to see them start to open up the – playbook a little bit with success kind of open up the downfield passing game obviously you don't want to give away too much because this is a game that you won't need to pull out everything in the bag of tricks in order to win but I want I want to see Trevor Lawrence truly get showcased because all he's really been having to do is hand the ball off to ETN do some like short swing passes and whatnot and occasionally throw the ball downfield and obviously very successful with it but I I just I, I don't know. I might be a little selfish because I just really like watching Trevor Lawrence go off, but that's just what I want to see. Um, and as I, I fully agree with you there, Dan, and I don't think, I think to this, to this day, at least this season, I've never seen a more beautiful, a beautiful offensive passing play down the field for more than 20 yards. Then I can't remember. I think it was to Amari Rogers. He threw it to in that Virginia game. Yeah. Where, I mean, he literally puts it in the very back of the end zone. It's either Roger catches it or it's out of bounds. I mean, there's no other spot. The DB is not really beat. It's just a beautifully placed ball in, in a spot where only his receiver can get it. I mean, that's my only concern with Georgia Tech for this game is, you know, if that Trevor Lawrence shows up and they decide to, you know, see if they can sling the rock more, the weather's actually going to be nice. It wasn't like it was last week in Clemson where the weather was terrible. That's where I could see some issues. Cause when we saw what Dylan Gabriel could do against, you know, that, that Georgia tech secondary, but again, trace Swelling is back. So that's going to obviously help them. But, you know, I agree with you. I would, I would love to see, I would love to see either Trevor Lawrence show up or Georgia tech just, you know, 
play it to this up exponential level. I hope we don't get this. Clemson's just kind of sleepwalking and Georgia Tech just looks like, you know, an average football team. But that's what I mean. Like Clemson hasn't like completely played to their full capacity. They haven't had Trevor Lawrence go downfield and they've still been blowing out every team on their schedule and their offense has still been unstoppable. That's why I think this team is just far and away the best team in the country and they're just going to be a danger all the way through the playoffs. Um, but Absolutely. yeah, that's all I really have to say. Obviously I want to see the Georgia tech running backs, but the Clemson run defense has been elite this year. So that'll kind of be a tall task for them to get going. But um, do well, do you think, that, do you think this game goes over the 63 and a half over under? Cause this is one of those games where I think it definitely goes over, but uh, yeah, yeah, I do think so. But um, yeah. So we move on? yeah, let's move on to, we got next pit Miami. Yeah. Let's talk pit Miami here. Uh, we've got seventh ranked Miami. Are they still seventh ranked or is this my, is my CBS sports app kind of freaking out here still? Did they not fall? I thought they fell regardless. They're nationally ranked Miami 13. Yeah. They're for whatever reason, CBS sports app wants to show them as seventh yet. You know, they're actually number 13. So you know, what it is. But, you know, top 15 Miami battling out pit and what is normally a pretty good matchup between these two teams. Uh, difference in styles for sure. Uh, the over-unders at 48, which is pretty drastic. Miami's a 13-and-a-half point favorite. They are calling for some rain uh, in South Florida. But, Dan, this this game kind of, you know, I'll, I'll let you go into your, your favorite topic of conversation that we talked about earlier this week. But this is one of those games where, you know, I, I just have a bad, bad feeling about Miami. And, and what's kind of funny to me is this is the, obviously the last time Miami Clemson played in the ACC championship game. A week before that, they were upset by Pitt. So they basically just flipped, flip-flopped the script here. But, you know, w- what are your thoughts on this game before I kind of dive into what I, what I expect to happen? Because I know you have a little, uh, little piece you want to talk about. Yeah, the Clemson effect. How I've always been skeptical of this. Like how teams just always seem to be – have their one of their worst performances of the season after playing Clemson. Whether they play them decently or get, completely get blown out. They have terrible performances and bad losses after Clemson. Obviously, we saw that with UVA last week. Now, somebody, I I forgot who it was, but some reporter actually went out and statistically proved that, that the Clemson effect is real and teams play poorly after playing Clemson. So um, I think this could be the case with Miami. On the other side, you're looking at Pitt, who – I mean, their fans have completely given up on their season, but I think they still have something left in the tank. I think they really want to prove something, not only their prominence to the media, but now they have stuff to prove to their own fan base. So that'll be a big chip on the shoulder for pit players. Um, so I want to do it. I really want to pick this 13-point underdog in pit against the um, – or outright for the upset, but um, – I guess I'm chickening out of this. It's just too risky. I'm going to take Miami in a uh, close two or three point game or yeah, like a really close game. And um, I just think this is Miami's year and like they'll, they're, they have a more talented team. So call me chicken, but um, despite all this, I'm still taking Miami outright, but definitely Give me paid against the 13 point spread and you'll lock it up too. 
So wait, did you just say you're taking Miami to cover? I'm taking Miami to win outright. I'm taking, I'm locking up Pitt covering the spread. I got you. I got you. Okay. Makes some sense here. Um, I just to, to quickly comment while we're recording this, so everyone knows when we're recording this, I have, we're recording it during the big 12 championship game of coastal Carolina and Louisiana. Uh-huh. Both teams scored touchdowns in the final minute and both kickers missed the extra points. So uh, that is some big 12 football. If I've ever seen it, Oh, excuse me, Sunbelt football as I've ever seen it, but Dan, I'm actually going pit out right here. I, I, I agree with your Clemson effect, but it actually it has more to do with my favorite thing in the world, which is trends. So since Pitt has joined the ACC, their trends are lose two straight to Miami, win. Lose two straight to Miami, win. Guess what they've done the last two years, Dan? Lost two straight. I like Pitt's matchup here. Pitt, again, we talked about in our review pod, is – Two points, or actually, I guess you could say four points because you need to completely, you have to flip being the one-point loss, but four points away from being undefeated right now. And yes, I understand it was Boston College. And yes, I understand, you know, that this is not necessarily, you know, the most ideal, you know, it's NC State and the other one. But I don't know, Dan. I, 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 we talked about Kenny Pickett. He has, he has much improved. I just wonder if, you know, I, I want to think that Miami narrative is, is not true. This is not the Miami team of past, but what they did last week shows nothing for me to believe that they're, you know, that the U is, you know, not just, you know, they're, they're a 10 and two, 11 and one type team. I don't see it. I just don't. Um, I'm going to go with Pitt on the upset here. Uh, I've been terrible at my picks. So if you're smart, you know, Dan, you're probably on the right side here for the favorite, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go with, with, with Pitt here winning close. Give me Alex Kessman drilling a 50-some yard field goal to win this because, you know, that's just how this is going to work out. But I'm going to go with Pitt here to win. But, man, I am so excited for this. The ACC Network, why is this an ACC Network game? I'm sorry, but I get Clemson should be on ABC, but give me this game on ESPN or ESPN2. I mean, thankfully I have the ACC Network, but a lot of fans, especially Pitt fans, you know, a lot of them don't have ACC Network, so they're really missing out here. Yeah, the only problem with the ACC Network for me I get it on my TV, but I'm off and out and about, and I like to stream the games on my phone. And for whatever reason, and I haven't been the only one that this has been the case for, the ESPN app has a blackout in all locations for the ACC network. And I don't know why that's the case, but anyway, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll set you up. My Hulu live TV, because it's a streaming device, allows no blackout. So I'll hook you up with that. So you'll, right. have to, you'll have to log into the ESPN app to do it, but I got you. Awesome. Thank you. Well, Anyway, back to the game. Um, I think, yeah, Pitt really needs to play complimentary football. I know that big cliche, but, um, like, I just haven't seen both of their units show up for an ACC game this year, both their offense and their defense play to their potential. Like, what did we think before this year? We thought Pitt was going to be this really defensive-based team that's going to have enough offense and win games like 23 to 10. Well, their offense has shown up. Kenny Pickett has broken out, but their defense has not been fantastic at all. So that's what I really want to see out of them. Their defense, I still believe in them. Um, their pass rush mostly because I don't think that they're secondary. I think it's just we found out that their corners are not as good as we thought. Um, I, their safeties are still good. But, yeah, I think also the key to this game or really the thing I'll be watching more than like a key is how will these two pass rushes get going? Because 
it'll be interesting to see. Both have extremely strong pass rushes, probably top three in the ACC, but both have quarterbacks and offensive lines that, you know, are good at avoiding sacks. So it'll be pretty interesting to see. That's um, – so, Dan, my, my question for you, and that is why, this, is why, this is why I think Pitt wins the game, so I'm curious if, if you could see this happening. But you look at who Miami's played so far this year in their wins. Obviously, we'll take out the Clemson game. We'll talk about that in a second here real quick. But who, what pass rush have they really played? I mean, Florida State had Marvin Wilson, but that, that whole defense entirely is just not clicking on any sort of real cylinder here. Um, of course, talk about really the best defense they've played outside of Clemson as a team in terms of not just individual talent, but as you know, a collective unit, probably is UAB. And, you know, we saw, I think Pitt and Narduzzi, he's a great defensive mind. I have a feeling he's going to take that game plan that Brett Venerables had last week. Are they going to probably be able to execute it at the level that Clemson was? No, because Clemson CBs are just far and above better. However, I do think that they're going to be able to contain D.R. King and make him be a pocket passer. And that's where you beat Miami. That's how you beat this Miami offense. If D.R. Yeah. King gets his legs going, uh-oh. But we kind of saw it against Louisville. Again, you know, Louisville has their own struggles, but they contained Michael Cunningham. And again, is D.R. King better? Eh, probably yes. But, you know, when it comes down to it, you know, as the same type of principle, and they did a good job containing him, I think, they, I think they're going to contain De'Ara King here. And I just think that Pitt's offense, Kenny Pickett's going to provide enough of a, of a support cast to just, again, sneak this one out 20, 23-20. I'm taking the under here, Dan. I think the under, I think, was over under. Was it like 47, I believe? 48. So, yeah, I'm taking the under. But I guess, I guess that's kind of what I see happening. Do you see Pitt being able to contain and keep De'Ara King in the pocket? Well, I think – what Miami needs to do is play to D.R. King's strengths because I think what happened was they just fell behind against Clemson and they really needed to throw deep. And D.R. King, as we found out, is not a good deep ball thrower. But if you look at the rest of his passing stats, like he's been really good this year. So I think um, it'll be a nice little um, – it'll be nice to see Rhett Lashley, see if he could design a good game plan. Um, to kind of play De'Ara King to his strengths and, you know, counter the pit pass rush and use his kind of designs to get De'Ara King to move because obviously that's when he's best. But I don't know. Besides that, all I have to say is I guess we'll wait and see. This is also my game of the week in case I didn't mention. Um, I think both teams really need to bounce back as well. Pitt needs this one to avoid a complete breakdown. Miami wants to stay towards the top. So I'm really looking forward to this one. Yeah, this is definitely the best game of that, of that early noon kickoff slate, uh, which obviously leads us to the last one of that noon kickoff time period. We got Liberty undefeated Liberty, the best team in the Commonwealth of Virginia, according to Liberty fans going against Syracuse, a team that got me all excited. And now is back in the bottom of my power rankings. Uh, Syracuse is actually a three and a half point underdog here. Um, last year, when these two teams met, Syracuse ended up routing them. Uh, Liberty had a chance to score first and, and failed to, to, I think it was a turnover uh, early in that, in that drive there when they were driving deep. And from there, it was all Syracuse. Obviously, big news that came out of Syracuse this week. I'm sure you probably saw it, Dan. Andre Cisco is out for the season. 
So that's a huge blow to Syracuse in the secondary. But this isn't the this isn't the Liberty team of last year. I don't know how much you watch of Liberty. I do enjoy watching Liberty, of course, being from that area. My best friend actually is went there and is getting his master's degree there. So we talk Liberty football on the side. And you know, last year was a buckshot Calvert and uh, Gandy Golden. You know, leading that passing attack. This year it's. Dual threat, Malik Willis, a transfer out of Auburn, who can still sling the rock. So it's not I'm not trying to say that he can't throw the football, but you know, he is a very De'Ara King-esque like when it comes to just being mobile. And then, you know, he creates plays in the passing game when he's able to roll out of the pocket and find someone 10 to 15 yards down the field. So I'm kind of curious your thoughts. I'm not going to make a prediction just yet, but I'm kind of curious your thoughts on this one. Yeah, I'm very concerned about this one. And um, you know. Like you said, the Liberty offense, they run through Malik Willis, their dual threat quarterback. And of course they have a good run game too. Um, Auburn transfer in case you guys were wondering. And yeah, he's been fantastic with his legs this year. Um, so what I tried to do is I looked at games in 2019 and 2020 where Syracuse, Syracuse defense faced guys similar, like dual threat guys. And it's kind of hard to make an assessment because they haven't faced De'Ara King this year. They never faced Bryce Perkins or Jamie Newman last year. So it was really hard to compare. What we did get was they faced Jeff Sims this year and they held him in check. But then this completely contradicts that theory because Malik Cunningham went off against them last year. So it's hard to say how Syracuse defense handles dual threat quarterbacks. Um, So I don't know if that – I mean – I don't know if that's going to play a specific factor or if it's just going to be like, how good is their defense in general? So either way, I'm worried about this game. Um, I will take Syracuse by one possession might be a little bit ACC bias, but at the same time, we also haven't seen Liberty do anything against like, I don't want to say real competition, but like the competition that Syracuse has um, faced more consistently. But I mean, at the same time, Tommy DeVito is going to be out, so it's going to be a tough one for ACC folks. Yeah, I, I forgot about Tommy DeVito. That's right. That news, but that news break today, or was that yesterday that broke? Um, I think, I think it was. I can't remember. I don't know if it was just like specific news. I think it's just the word is around that he'll be missing extended time. But yeah, I haven't heard so, anything officially. Yeah, so obviously you got Cisco out. You've got DeVito out. So. Yeah, I think that's why the public bet is, you know, this line opened at two and a half. Now it's three and a half. If you're, you're going to take a money line, I mean, I'll take plus 150 on Syracuse here. I'm not de- definitely not against that. But, um, yeah, this one this one is, is alarming for sure. I, you mentioned it. Liberty really hasn't played anybody. I mean, they last week they're coming off, you know, a, a big blowout win over Louisiana Monroe. But if – if you're like me, who's weird and likes watching random group of five games, I'm pretty sure Louisiana Monroe is the worst team in the FBS. If I'm being completely honest, isn't just trying to, to bash them because Liberty blew them out. But this Louisiana Monroe team also lost to UTEP 31 to six army beat them 37 to seven Texas state beat them by 21. I mean, this team besides Georgia Southern who had like 26 guys out because of COVID again, they haven't been close. So, I mean, <laughs> Again, watch Malik Willis. 
I do want to see what he does. He wasn't very good last week against Monroe. He had no touchdowns and an interception, but yeah, I, Oh man, I don't know who to pick in this one. Like if Tommy DeVito was playing Dan, I'd be picking Syracuse. No, no, no questions asked. I mean, I would just assume that Tommy DeVito will find a way to win this game, but I mean, is Rex Culpepper really going to, you know, is he going to be able to outperform Malik Willis? I mean, it's not like Syracuse's defense is, you know, have obviously missing one of their key pieces. I mean, I, I don't know. Plus, you know, Joshua Mack, the running back, the senior running back for Liberty, has been phenomenal as well this year. So, I guess I'm going to go Liberty here. I'm going to go with Syracuse with the spread. I'm going to say Liberty wins on a field goal just so I can kind of cover my bases. But, yeah, I'm going to go with Liberty here, unfortunately. The Tommy DeVito news, I think, is, is, is what's going to, to change my mind in, in picking Syracuse here. Yeah, and it's tough because we, we don't know anything about Liberty. We know what Syracuse is. They're a bottom dweller. They're going to, um, you know, they're not completely dead because we saw them against Georgia Tech. But at the same time, they're not um, anything <laughs> great at all. And I don't know what the situation is going to be with their quarterback. We did see a little bit of Rex Culpepper, and I think he threw like a touchdown, like a dime down the field to Taj Harris or something. But that's really all we've seen. And that was one play. So... I don't know. There'll be a lot about them getting the run game going, but no Andre Cisco in the secondary will also be tough for Syracuse. But yeah, a little, look, a little look ahead here that gets me really excited, Dan. If Liberty does win this football game, they only have one more game before they play Virginia Tech, and that's Southern Miss. So there's a solid chance Liberty's undefeated going into Blacksburg in early November. Is that going to be the game, the Commonwealth Championship game? No, I can't say that. Virginia fans should tell me, but. <laughs> No, I genuinely. If Liberty beats Virginia Tech, it could be. <laughs> That's true. And right. a whole transit property thing. But anyway, you have anything more to say about this, or you want to move on to uh, Louisville Notre Dame? I will say one thing: for the love of everything that is college football, Syracuse, please win this game. The ACC needs this game so bad. Please win this football game. Find a way. But other than that, no. Let's let's move on to Louisville Notre Dame. We've got a 2.30 kickoff on NBC, uh, 16.5-point favorite for Notre Dame. I want to say I'm shocked by that, but I, I've also picked up, Dan, I'm, I'm pretty high on Louisville compared to most people considering they are 1-3, and three, and obviously they just got blown out in their last game against Georgia Tech, but I guess maybe it's just my my love for Louisville at that, at that rate of, you know, that offense. But, Dan, I mean – Louisville needs to be competitive in this game or this season. I don't think it'll be like the Petrino year where the team just completely quits, but man, it's going to be hard for, for them to kind of stay up here. I mean, do you think, do you think Louisville's got a shot here? I think they have a shot. Um, I think they're, they're kind of like Pitt, like they're, they're a talented team that's been underperforming. They'll be hungry to make a statement. I think they have a ton of uh, um, talent on offense, but ultimately Notre Dame, they're much more well-rounded. They're not a team I think is very prone to upset at the same time, like without, like with how well um, Ian Book takes care of the ball. So that's why I think if Louisville is going to pull off an upset, I don't think it's against Notre Dame. But also I think that it'll be closer than 17 points. So give me Louisville against a spread Notre Dame outright. But let me ask you something about this. Um, so we were talking about the last episode, how – we keep watching Notre Dame and we learn absolutely nothing. Like they're, they're definitely the second best team in the conference, but we know 
we haven't seen any evidence that they are anywhere near Clemson. Do you think this game we learn anything more? Like, let's say they win by the exact spread. They win by 17 points. Or even if they blow them out. Like, do you think we learn anything about Notre Dame? Because, once again, it, it, I think if it's a blowout, it just tells me that Louisville is dead and doesn't tell me much about Notre Dame. Yeah, I think I, I, if they cover the spread, I think my concern with that is – we, and I hate to be the guy that says you have to look off how they play because, you know, that's what's getting me a lot of flack for having Georgia Tech lower than Louisville in my power rankings was, you know, I made the argument that Louisville kind of outplayed them minus the turnovers, which, again, turnovers obviously factor in how you outplay somebody or not. But, again, when it came to a lot of statistics, Louisville was, you know, controlled the pace of the game, moved the ball just as much, you know, had no real issue. These, again, turned the ball over. So if it's one of those situations where Notre Dame is – you know, up, you jump out to a 21 point lead at some point and it never really relinquishes. And then, you know, a late field goal makes it that 17, 18 point area. Then I think it tells me that Notre Dame is definitely a contender to, you know, to potentially compete with Clemson. However, I really don't think so, Dan, because I think if Notre Dame blows out Clemson, like you kind of, or Clemson, geez, blows out Louisville, like you said, it's not going to be so much, oh, Notre Dame can contend with Clemson. It's going to be, wow, Louisville's that bad. Or if, you know, Louisville's, you know, ends up competing with Notre Dame, it's going to be, wow, Notre Dame's kind of overrated. So really, I don't think we're going to learn anything from Notre Dame. I think really Notre Dame has the only way for me to really kind of take anything away is, like I said, they just control this game. It's never a huge blowout. Like, you know, Louisville can kind of be competitive, but, you know, the only thing I can think of is maybe Notre Dame's offense just explodes for 50 points against these guys. Then maybe I can, can maybe make the argument because, again, you know, we, we've seen Louisville give up a lot of points, but, you know, if they drop if they drop the same level of points as Miami did, if not more, then I'm very confident in Notre Dame because we know the defense is very, very good. So that's my only, I guess, takeaway. But, no, I don't think this game is going to really it, – it might give us a little bit more, but it's definitely not going to really give us a much much of a learning point for sure. Yeah. Um, I think the one thing we'll learn, I guess, and maybe even not, but – they play on November 7th. They play Clemson in South Bend, 7.30 prime time. And they lose to Clemson by, like, two scores, 14, 17 points. Then Notre Dame will just be the exact same as what we thought they were. Um, they could compete. If they even win this game, they're a playoff contender. But besides that, I mean, there's really two games in the regular season that Notre Dame will really – really have anything to learn about them and it's that November 7th game against Clemson and then two games later later in November against North Carolina but back to Louisville I think really we talked about this earlier in the podcast when we talked about them against Georgia Tech they really need to take care of the ball I mean they have so many offensive playmakers and if they could keep the game neck and neck um then maybe they could let their playmakers win the game at the end. They have Javion Hawkins, Tutu Atwell, Des Fitzpatrick, all these fantastic weapons. But if they keep turning the ball over and they can't put the ball in the end zone early, which is how they're going to win football games or how they're going to even compete in football games. If that doesn't happen, Notre Dame pulls away early. Yeah, my my biggest, I guess, you know, takeaway with, with Louisville, like you said, protecting the football is going to be the, the, the name of the game. They have a, I think if I remember correctly, it was like negative eight turnover margin or some crazy number like that. But 
Again, when we talked about Louisville in the preseason, if I would have told you that Michael Cunningham or, you know, Michael, whatever he goes by now, Malik, whatever he's going by, you know, had over oh, close to a thousand yards, 986 yards and nine touchdowns through four games on the season. Would you think Louisville was one in three? Mm, well, I mean, I want to say no, but I knew that was going to happen. I just was really thinking about their defense and that has not been good. So. What if I told you Javion Hawkins had 500 yards rushing as well? Yeah, I would think they definitely won at least one of those games against Miami and Pitt. Exactly. I would, I would give them at least two and two at the very least, um, knowing just those stat lines. But here they are, one and three. Louisville, again, needs this one big time. I mean, next week they, it doesn't, they get Florida State. So I really don't want that to be a toilet bowl game. So I, hope, I really hope Louisville's competitive here. But – I'm, I'm going to go with Notre Dame here. I do think Louisville is going to cover the spread. I think it's going to be like a 14-point game. I just I, – I really don't see Notre Dame just blowing teams out. I mean, we, we saw it last week against Florida State. I mean, they just – they didn't do it for me last week. So, I'm just going to – I'm going to – I've been 0 for 3 on Notre Dame spreads, Stan. So, I'm probably going to be 0 for 4 here because, you know, I'm over here trying to say that Louisville is going to keep this one somewhat competitive. But, yeah, Louisville needs this one more than Notre Dame does, per se, to at least keep it close. So, I'm going to say Louisville, Louisville will cover this spread. But any final thoughts before we move on to uh, – let's see. Move on over to uh, Duke and NC State? No, let's, let's move on. Um, in this one, I was a little surprised that Vegas wasn't leaning a blood in this one, a blowout. I mean, um, NC State has played so well. I could see Duke competing in this one personally and pulling off an upset or more – I should say like, I could see NC State dropping a game they shouldn't over this next stretch, but I don't think it'll be against Duke. So um, I, I just haven't seen them in the in the past episode. Like you said, I haven't seen them do anything different, even though they won the last game. They were sloppy on offense. They turned the ball over. They did get the run game going, and I'll talk about that in a little bit. But, um, yeah, I'm just a little surprised that Vegas wasn't leaning the blow, a blowout in this one because – Give me the pack and give me them covering the five-point spread. Yeah, so the the guy you were talking about, Joe, I can never say his last name right, Joe Giliglio, Giliglio, whatever it is. He's the writer. He's an NC. He's based out of Raleigh. He's an ACC writer, but he mainly covers NC State. He's the one that came up with that Clemson effect. He's the one that tweeted that out. Um, one of my favorite tweets from him that he loves, he loves to reuse, of course, when it comes to NC State football is whenever you expect the most, you get the least. And whenever you expect the least, you get the most. And that's kind of how it's been, Dan, with NC State this this year. I mean, we I did not expect them to beat Pitt, and here they are. I didn't expect them to beat Virginia, and here they are. Expected them to probably beat Virginia Tech. And, you know, when you expected them to win, they lost. I, I want to I wanna stick with that theory, and I want to go Duke, but you, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, nothing Duke has done has changed. They've looked the exact same every week. They just finally got a positive result last week. So, yeah, I'm going to go NC State here. Plus, you know, this is this is a chance for NC State. They want to win the they want to win the state again. They need they need to win the state again. And you know, they've got North Carolina next week. So you got to beat Duke to kind of make that North Carolina game a de facto state championship because they've already beat Wake. So if NC State wants to be the best team in the state, which obviously their fan base wants, but Dave Doran's definitely going to need in recruiting. Yeah, NC State needs to win this one. I'm going to go with NC State covering the spread here. I think it's going to be a, a, a 45 to 
27 type game where Duke's going to score some points. But again, they're going to, Duke's probably going to move the ball. I wouldn't be shocked if Duke is up and, you know, within a couple, you know, 20 to 50 yards of offense comparatively to NC state in that range, you know, it's not a huge domination of total yards of offense, but you know, again, I, I was furious that Duke won a football game where they had it. They turned the ball over a ton. Well, they're going to turn the ball over a ton again, Dan. I mean, I, I need to figure out how many turnovers they have this year, but I know it's not great. They have 15 turnovers so far, Dan. Give me another four or five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and I did talk about how I think that Duke did change a little bit in that they got the run game going. And I think they do actually have a matchup advantage against the NC State defense, who has not been fantastic in stopping the run this year. So I like your kind of high scoring um, prediction, taking the over. Because I think NC State also scores a bunch of points. Just consider this. Last game, I mean, NC State's been scoring points all year. And last game, we didn't even see their offense in full force. I think they could have put up a couple more touchdowns had they not gotten over conservative because they had a big lead over Virginia. So if Duke ends up like actually keeping this game close and there's a fight for four quarters, I think NC State ultimately ends up pulling away at the end just because I'm really high in their offense. They're so good. They're so well-rounded. I mean, there's not a weakness on their offense now. They have a they have a good quarterback. They have a, a solid running back committee. They have very underrated receivers, and their offensive line is not bad at either. So, I mean, this is – now that I'm thinking about it, like NC State – He's one of the more dangerous offenses in the conference. Yeah, I'm so proud of myself and our preseason accolades were my um, most underrated team was NC State. My most overrated team is Louisville. I've actually got something right at some point on this pod, Dad. I, I know it's a shocker. I'm always wrong on this thing. But for once, I got something right, at least so far. We're obviously only half, not even halfway there. But, yeah, NC State should win this game. They should control this. They should put up points. I am shocked. I don't know if you saw, I mean, I don't know how much you follow like the betting lines and stuff. The over under, the under has, you know, been bet. It's been bet from 62 to 59 and a half. So people are going with the under, which, you know, you said it, I'm on the over here. So I'm kind of surprised by that. But uh, do you want to move on or do you have any other kind of points you want to discuss? Because I think really, you know, in the matchup to watch is can Duke not turn the ball over? And I think the answer is they will. Yeah, I agree with that. And I mean, I've been hit or miss with my game predictions, but I think I've been very good with my over-under predictions this year. So, I don't know, just something to keep in mind. But, yeah, what we got next, Virginia at Wake Forest. That's a pretty underrated game, in my opinion, because both teams really need this one. Yeah, I'm hoping to be in attendance. I got tickets for this one, so I'm kind of excited to see this. This is going to be one of those. This is like my type of favorite ACC matchup where it's – not pretty nationally. I'm not saying no one cares, but it really doesn't matter for the national scene. Like you said, Virginia needs this one. Wake needs this one. I guess I want to sort of who needs it more because it kind of feels like, you know, based off last week, Virginia needs it more. But Wake Forest hasn't done anything either this year. I mean, granted, they just blew out Campbell in their last game, but that's Campbell. I mean, who cares? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know. I think this really depends on whether whether UVA starts Armstrong or Stone. I think based on what I'm hearing, so here's the deal. If Armstrong is cleared from concussion protocol and could practice tomorrow, he will play, but otherwise he will not. So we will find out tomorrow 
if the news breaks, we will find out tomorrow whether or not Brennan Armstrong will be the quarterback. And I think that determines who wins this ball game. Um, like with Armstrong, I think UVA wins and I think they cover the two and a half point spread. Wake's secondary has struggled a lot and Virginia has a solid receiving core. So give me UVA, but in the more likely scenario, um, Lindell Stone, I'd say like a 65% chance Lindell Stone starts. Um, I think Wake pulls it out. Um, their offense will get plenty of chances. They'll be on the field a lot. And they're pretty well-rounded too, just like NC State, in that they don't have a lot of weaknesses. So um, they've also, by the way, been the best team in terms of receiving grade in the conference this year so far overall. So that's something interesting. They don't even have Sage the Rat, but they have a – super underrated receiving core. So I think either we see a, we see a shootout where UVA ultimately ends up pulling away or we see Wake grind out a victory, like a 31 to 20 type thing, depending on who's the quarterback. I'm glad you're leaning Wake here, Dan, because it makes me feel better about the Deeks. But here's my thing with, with Wake Forest and, and part of the reason why I'm very very, very doubtful. Again, they've only played three games, and it's been unfortunate with obviously losing the Notre Dame game. I think that may have shown us at least maybe one prior to anything about Notre Dame, but it would kind of give us a little bit more about Wake. But, you know, I don't really think – I mean, obviously the Clemson defense, but NC State and Campbell's defenses really haven't been as up to the par of UVA's defense. I, I think the biggest question has got to be here, Dan, will UVA turn the ball over? I mean, I hate to say the turnover in our conference turnovers has been what killing teams is what's been absolutely destroying teams. I mean, Virginia last week, it, it killed them. It just, it just absolutely killed them. And then the week before that Virginia, you know, plus was it plus six plus five or not to say we've been the two weeks past that in the week one or their week one game against Duke, you know, I, I worry about Sam Hartman turning the ball over a little bit. I do like Virginia's secondary. I think Virginia's defense overall is just a phenomenal underrated kind of group i'm gonna go i'm gonna go with virginia here dan i I think even with lindell stone i just i was i was pretty high on wake early in the year and and i'm not gonna lie to you i'm a little questionable about it i think wake forest wins one of their next two home games so like maybe i should go with virginia them beating virginia here because i don't think they beat virginia tech but I think they're going to win one of them. They're going to find a way to pull one of those out. But, yeah, I'm going to – you know what? Actually, I lied. I'm going to go Wake here. I am going to go Wake. I I am looking at the public bet right now. A lot of people are actually leaning Virginia, which is kind of surprising. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Wake Forest here. Um, I think they win this one close. I'm going to put this in Nick Skiba I trust, though. Obviously, Virginia, honestly, Brian Delaney has been a little bit better than uh nick skiba has been this year but yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna go wake here in a close one but it's gonna be a shootout i'm gonna go like you know 41 35 or something like that yeah actually by the way i think brian delaney i mean he hasn't like kicked any from 50 plus but i think he has the longest active field goal streak in the conference with like 15 or something like that in a row without missing but um also i'm sure a lot of you have seen this news and i know you have um Indiana transfer now running back for UVA Ronnie Walker has finally been cleared to play after he was at first denied and then he was appealed and finally now 
five weeks into the season, we will see him play. Um, I think that'll be huge, especially because, I mean, to in order to attack this Wake defense, they're going to need much more elusive backs because I don't know if doing all those trap plays to Wayne Talapapa is going to work with Boogie Basham in the middle. They're going to need to attack the outside, attack the B-gap and the C-gap more. So um, I know he hasn't received all these consistent reps throughout the season, so he may be limited at first, but at least down the stretch it'll be huge for them, and maybe it'll be huge for them if he plays a lot in this game against Wake. Yeah, also I think Shane Simpson can have a pretty big day as well for Virginia. I, did he get banged up last week, Dan? I can't remember. It sounded like he got banged up. Maybe he did, and he just didn't have a big number day. But, you know, I think he could potentially, with his explosive speed on the outside, kind of be the guy that stretches the field that you talked about because they're not going to be able to big, you know, uh, as much as I love Wayne Talapapa, I don't think he's going to be able to uh, big back this this uh, Wake Forest front front here. But And when we've even seen it, Wake Forest's, you know, running game has kind of been based on that, you know, that power kind of back. So they see that every week in practice. but. Yeah, this one's going to be a good one, Dan. I, I think Virginia is going to, you know, keep this close. And if Brent Armstrong does play, I do think – I kind of agree with you. I hate to, I, I hate doing the if this quarterback plays, then this happens kind of thing. But I do have some, some concerns with Lindell Stone. You know, he doesn't look like he's fully you know, in shape or anything <laughs> like that, really. So I'm, I'm just going to go wake here. I, I do like Sam Hartman enough to where I think they, they pull this one off. But uh, any other thoughts before we go to – the, I guess it's the primetime game of the night on ABC, unfortunately. No, I think I'm, I'm good. Um, like I said, this will be a very underrated game just because both teams need this and maybe won't be the most flashy game. But I still have hope for one of these two teams, I guess whoever wins this. But, yeah, primetime. Um, let's talk about this one. North Carolina, Florida State. Um one of these teams has been living up to their expectations and one of these teams has certainly been playing below them. Yeah, I think this is one of those games where I feel like it's almost a trap for UNC, but at the same time, I also just feel like Florida State's just not, not there. I, I don't know. I am, I am, you know, excited to kind of see, what Travis can do against this, you know, I wouldn't say bad UNC defense, but really hasn't been great. That's for sure. I mean, they're, they, they performed well, of course, against Syracuse, but last week against Virginia tech, man, what a shootout that was. But yeah, I, I, I think here we got to look at it this way in terms of just, you know, what to expect from Florida state. I just think that Jordan Travis, you know, again, a solid, you know, piece and tool to kind of build off of, but not to beat this Florida, uh, beat this UNC team that has a lot to lose. Uh, I could see maybe a little bit of a trap too, because they do play NC State next week, which looking at it is definitely a bigger game than the Florida State game is for them uh, per se. But and it is Tallahassee at night, obviously not full capacity or anything, but and the place is something special at night. I've been there a couple of times for some night games. But, yeah, I'm going to go UNC here. That spread is at – it was pretty high. It was like, what, eight – 13 and a half. So, I'm going to go UNC to cover. I think they win by two touchdowns. So, they'll cover. But, you know, this spread opened at nine as a nine-point favorite for UNC, which really surprised me. But, you know, I could see Florida State, you know, again, trying to keep this one close. But, 
Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to go UNC here to cover this. I just think that Sam Howell has finally lived up to the hype. I think he's he's you know clicking on all cylinders now, and this offense is going to get going. Plus, I, I really am excited to see, you know, uh, Michael Carter again get going in the backfield and kind of see what that you know Thomas you know they went from having a three-headed monster at um you know at wide receiver but now you got a two-headed monster at, at running back with Michael Carter and Javante Williams so I can't wait to see what this North Carolina can, team can do the over under is 64 I, I could honestly see UNC getting home like maybe two touchdowns away from doing it themselves. So I'm going to go with UNC here by at least 14 points to they cover. Yeah. I'm, I don't think that UNC covers this one, actually, if it was nine, then I definitely say they cover, but um, I think Florida state is able to keep this one close. Like we said, last episode, Florida state will catch someone this year. Will it be UNC? It's possible, but most likely not. Um, but I think the Tar Heels, have a little bit of a hangover here. So it ends up being like a 10 point game or so. I don't think it's another shootout, but definitely not low scoring. Give me like, I don't know, 40 to 30, 37, 27, something like that. Um, because I think this Florida state offense has potential. If they could run the ball, which has been hit or miss this year, they could score some points. Like we've seen Travis's ability to throw the ball downfield. I mean, he's not, he's not one of the better quarterbacks in the conference, but we would not say the same thing about him a few weeks ago before we really saw him hit full stride, but it'll be about whether FSU can get the run game going. Obviously Tamori on Terry is hurt. So that doesn't help, but North Carolina's run defense, they have a grade of 26 this year, which is God awful to put in perspective. The average grade is 70. So that is one of the worst I've ever seen in terms of, you know, a pretty large sample size. We're now, what, three games into the season or four games into the season for them. So that's not very good. Um, but then at the same time, they have an astronomically high grade on offense. So, you know, kind of cancels out a little bit. But remember, UNC secondary is a little bit depleted too. So I'm not really counting out the Knowles in this one. Um, UNC is really just going to have to score some points again. Am I crazy to think that Jordan Travis is a better quarterback than, Bra- than Braxton Burmeister? Because I think that 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 can factor into this too. I mean, obviously, Hennon Hooker took over in the second half and won and and got Virginia Tech back into that game. But I do think Jordan Travis might be a better quarterback, especially with this. I mean, obviously, Tamari Ontario is a huge loss, but with the guys around him, you know, that it, it could be one of those things where, at the very least, they're on an even playing field. So that could help, you know, Florida State per se. But again, I. I hope I'm wrong, Dan. I hope you're right. And this game is pretty close and we can kind of, you know, talk about Florida state, not quitting, but at the same time, it's going to look pretty bad on the conference. If Florida state, who gets to this huge national negative rep now keeps the a top five team pretty close on the road or at home, I guess they are at home. So that does help a little bit, but you know, everyone was talking about Florida, you know, trying to go full capacity. What if Florida state just pulled out full capacity out of nowhere for this one, Dan, just completely shocks Mac Brown and the Tar Heels with 75,000 screaming fans and Doe Campbell. Obviously that's not going to happen, but that would be pretty funny if they just said, screw it. <laughs> Let everyone in the doors. Yeah. I, I mean, I hope that doesn't happen for safety reasons, but yeah, that would, in terms of the, them winning the game, that would certainly help. Um, and yeah, the thing that, kind of intrigues me about this UNC offense it's kind of the same thing as Clemson like they put up 56 points 
last week and their offense wasn't in full force. It's the same thing as how Lawrence wasn't throwing the ball downfield like a majority of the game. Well, Howell, I mean, he threw a couple of deep passes and they were dimes and whatnot, but he otherwise handed the ball off, slants, screens, swing passes. He wasn't slinging the rock all game. He had under 300 yards and he was very efficient, but they scored 56 points out of that. So in that respect, UNC, their offense is very intriguing, but so maybe I'm kind of, I think the more I talk about this, the more I convince myself, this might be another shootout, but either way, um, I guess it's a very underwhelming primetime game and most likely it won't be a, a dog fight, but um, I, I think there's some intrigue to this one. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think there is definitely some intrigue because, you know, I think this can obviously help show if you, UNC blows them out, it's going to show us honestly two things. UNC is not going to just like let they have these let down hangover games. It also shows us that Florida State's probably done. So um, definitely excited to watch this one, but it will be kind of on the back burner for a game that kicks off 30 minutes later on the AC network at eight o'clock when we got Boston College heading to Blacksburg to take on Virginia Tech. And this is the shocking spread of the week. It's also my game of the week, but the shocking spread of the week where Virginia Tech is a 12-point favorite at home. I mean, I guess Enter Sandman must be bumping or Vegas knows something I don't know because, you know, if I were to take a money line this week in the ACC, Dan, give me Boston College at plus 330 because I don't see how Virginia Tech is 12 points better than Boston College after what we've seen so far. I mean, again, Hennon Hooker is supposed to be the starter, and you know how I feel about him, so that definitely makes me think Virginia Tech wins this one. But 12 just still seems a little high with what we've seen from this Boston College offense under Phil Jakovic. Yeah, I I'm, I agree. I don't know what to think of this Virginia Tech team. Like, before the year, we thought they were pretty well-rounded, but we thought they were defensive-based. Then they got completely picked apart the group picked apart on the ground against UNC, but scored 45 points. So um, I would say this game will be in the twenties or something like that. Um, like most Boston college games, but it, it's hard to say the over under is 62. Um, I think I'm leaning the under, uh, but I, I, again, I really don't know. It's, it's hard to say with this Virginia tech team, we've seen something completely different and what we've expected, especially with that um, that UNC game. And then that NC State game looked a little bit different. I thought, you know, if, if Virginia Tech was going to blow them out, it would be like, you know, 31 to 7, not it was like 45-24 or something like that. So I like Virginia Tech in this game, um, with especially with Hendon Hooker. But, yeah, based on what we've seen from Boston College, 12 seems pretty high for the spread. So give me – Virginia Tech outright in Boston College against – or Boston College plus 12. I will say this, this Virginia Tech game, obviously it's on a Friday night, but it kind of gives me – kind of gives me that Duke vibe from last year. I, I don't know why. It just does. I, I don't know, I mean, how much you've seen on Hokie Twitter over the over the week uh, here, Dan, but it, it feels like a lot of like, – there's, there's a – there's no in-between on this game. There's a lot of Virginia Tech fans that think they're winning – they're going to win this game easily. And then the other the, – the, the silent majority, I guess you could call them, is kind of like this is like, – you know, especially with the Virginia Tech-Boston College history, this has not been a – like 
Virginia Tech fans do not like playing Boston College. Not because, like, they strongly, like, you know, in terms of big rivalry, but it kind of has become a rivalry because Boston College just loves beating Virginia Tech when, you know, things aren't going well for them. They love to just get under the skin of Virginia Tech. I mean, someone was making, you know, obviously Phil Dracovic broke the Matt Ryan record for most passing yards and touchdowns in, like, the first, whatever, three, four games of their, of their career as a Boston College Eagle. And people are going, you know, obviously they remember the Matt Ryan and Blacksburg story from, you know, 15 years ago or so now. But I don't know. I, I think this game is going to be high scoring. I'm actually going to take the over in this one, but I don't feel very comfortable in that. I think if Virginia Tech wants to win this game, they're going to have to hold Boston College under, you know, four touchdowns for sure. But this one, this one I think can be a lot like the Boston College pit game last week where one team is kind of just, you know, in control, up, by in control, I mean up seven for a long period of time. Someone scores, ties it late, and goes to overtime. And weird stuff's going to happen because, you know, go ACC. But I am definitely excited to, for this one. I, I'm really disappointed because this game could have had the makings of being a really fun running back matchup with David Bailey against Khalil Herbert. But David Bailey is just, you know, he's just there now. He's not even really a, a, a major factor in this Boston College offense. So, it's going to be interesting to see if this game does become some passing shootout because, you know, if, if Hennon Hooker's got to sling the rock against Phil Jakovic, that is going to be fun to watch. But I think that's going to favor Boston or favor uh, Virginia Tech because whenever there is a chance to bust a big run play, Khalil Herbert's going to make it where with David Bailey, we haven't seen it this year. But yeah, this game is going to be fun. This, again, is my game of the week. So I can't wait for this one. I, I think Virginia Tech wins. I don't think they're going to cover, though. Yeah. And, I think what's going to hurt Boston College is them being one-dimensional, whereas Virginia Tech has not only the ability to hand it off to Khalil Herbert, who has statistically like been one of the best running backs in the nation this year, but um, they also have Hendon Hooker, who could throw the ball downfield. He could use his legs. So it's a more dynamic offense for Virginia Tech. And I really do like this Boston College offense in terms of their passing game, though. Um, like Zay Flowers and Hunter Long. They've been fantastic receivers. So it'll be intriguing to see them against that Virginia Tech secondary. But when it comes down to it, I think um, Virginia Tech's offense will attack you in more ways. But um, here's something. Hendon Hooker hype train starts tonight or on Saturday. Hendon Hooker for Heisman. I remember I called it earlier. It's happening. Starts on Saturday. Well, I mean, yeah. Maybe I should change it to Khalil Herbert for Heisman. Yeah, that see, that's something that's actually like legitimately possible. I think if the season ended today, he'd finish in at least the top ten, maybe even top five. But um do you think that there's a circumstance that Boston College loses this game, but we still feel either the same or even higher about them? Or do you think they lose and we kind of are a little bit um I guess underwhelmed by them? I think if Boston College can get into a shootout with Virginia Tech and kind of, like I said, go into overtime or, you know, Virginia Tech has a late field goal or something crazy like that, I think it'll at least keep Boston College in the same mindset, maybe even increase them depending on what happens around the rest of the conference, which for once we finally get to see every team in the same week so it can really help our power rankings. But, you know, I – my thing with the Boston College offense, I mean, it's been very good. So I'm not, again, trying to knock them. But I still just wonder, like, how good they really are. 
I mean, when they played Pitt last week, they again in regulation only scored 24 points, which is not bad against this Pitt team, but it wasn't as explosive as what we were talking about against Duke. It's because Duke turned the ball over. Texas State, they were kind of nonchalant. I mean, this offense is you know getting a lot of hype. They haven't eclipsed 20 points in regular over uh, 20 30 points, I guess you could say, in regulation yet. Took them overtime last week, so. Uh, the more I think about it, I said the over, I, I kind of want to go switch my mind to the under here after kind of thinking about it. But, you know, again, I, I think of Boston College's offense can like a shootout style as in like, you know, 34, 31, something like that. I'll feel a lot. I'll, I'll, I'll feel better about the offense and I'll have, you know, confidence in them enough to kind of be like they're, a, you know, a top half of the conference team. Yeah, I, I yeah, I agree with that. Um, I think there's definitely a circumstance where they could not win and still <clears throat> still have them top six top seven in the conference um I think they could also very easily be blown out and we're kind of like all right they're they're there with the rest of the middle of the conference um they're not much better than like a a Virginia or you know a pit or any or anything like that but um yeah, we got a really exciting slate of games. In terms of quantity of solid games, it might be better than last week. In terms of maybe the quality of the top games, maybe not. But this week is – I mean, I'll be fully dialed into this week, but I'm going to have trouble, like, deciding which ones to prioritize because there's a large amount of very solid games this week. Clemson is still covering the favored by more than two touchdowns. In every game that we talked about, they even had it last week. At one point, it was you know 14 and a half. So I'm going to count that as you know they were favored by more than two scores at some point. But yeah, this is going to be a fun week. This is going to be there's a lot of middle of the pack games that are important, but you know not not many. Again, it wasn't like last week where we had the top of the conference kind of you know showing itself off to the rest of the world. But this is the type of ACC week I love. You know, we'll get to learn about in my opinion, the worst team in the conference against a non-conference team that's pretty good. And we're going to learn a lot about, you know, again, that middle of the pack, you know, Virginia Wake, big game, Duke, NC State, big game. You know, Boston College, Virginia Tech, very big game. So very, very excited for this. Uh, any final thoughts, Dan, before we uh, we sign off for the night and give ourselves a couple of days to get ready for some a, a full day, a full, long, exhausting day of ACC football? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Maybe now on second thought about that Liberty-Syracuse, maybe – Maybe if Syracuse wins, it's more of a positive because we say, all right, our entire conference is superior to, I mean, Liberty's independent, but they're group of five levels. So our entire conference is superior to the group of five average school. But um, yeah, that's the only thing that I'm worried about. The rest, I'm just super excited and it'll be a great week in ACC this week. It is good, though, honestly. Much, I mean, I'm in a good way. I don't mean in a good way because I obviously don't want Tommy DeVito to be hurt. But it does help if Syracuse loses this game close that we can kind of be like, well, they're without their starting quarterback and their star safety. But, again, we don't want that to happen. But that could, I guess, be a, a little bit of a you know good old asterisk we can throw by it. But either way, Dan, I'm excited. I can't wait to, to meet up on Sunday to talk these games. Uh, hopefully I'll get to watch one in person here with UVA and Wake. But – Dan, until then, stay safe. Make sure everyone please wear a mask so we can continue to have college football. Obviously, you know, today we found out Coach Saban in Alabama got COVID, so anybody can get it. But stay safe, wear a mask, and uh, go ACC.